Hello. I'm Nathan. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I guess I'll just start talking while you're all funneling in. Okay. So, um, my sobriety date is April 20th, 2009, which, uh, <laughs> this last birthday I said that out loud and I'm like, wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't sink in all the time for me. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, somebody asked me if I was ready to do this, and I'm like, sure, of course I am. You know, I've done this a hundred times. Now I'm standing here going, okay, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> um, two things, basically, right off the bat is I tend to use words like us and we and you. And I want you to know something right off the bat. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I just speak about myself, and I hope you understand that I find a lot of similarities in everybody that I meet in these rooms. So if anybody takes offense to that, I'm sorry off the bat. Uh, I'm not here to offend you. Eleven years ago, I would have. Um You know, it, when I came into these rooms, I actually started in another program. Um, it wasn't because I related to that program. It was just uh, somebody I knew said, why don't you give this a shot? And uh, it wasn't the first time somebody did that to me. Back in 1990, I joined the Army right after high school. I had a month off. And... Um, Right after all my training was done, I was shipped off to Germany. So as soon as I got there, the first thing I did was go to a bar. I didn't drink all through high school. I didn't drink, you know, prior to turning 18 or anything. But as soon as I had that first beer, I was just like, oh, this is so good. And it just went on from there. But um, let me, let me kind of back up here a minute and get a little more organized. Um, I actually took my first drink at eight years old. I didn't, I don't know why. You weren't kidding about this. See, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to make more mistakes than that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I don't know what I drank, but I knew it belonged in a shot glass, and I had two. I didn't get caught. Nobody asked me questions. Where did this go? Nothing like that. My parents didn't drink. Matter of fact, I don't know any of my family that did drink. So, you know, why was there a cabinet full of alcohol? I don't know. That was that kind of predates me. <clears throat> I just knew there was a lot of it around there, and nobody ever drank it. I didn't have another drink until New Year's Eve of 1990. And I had a couple wine coolers, you know, because that was a thing back in 1990. Um, I remember getting hot, feeling like my face was flushed, and everything was really cool. It just felt good. I don't know why, it just it just did, you know. So, like I said, I fast forward a little bit into the army, and I go to this bar, and I have a beer because a friend of mine 
says, here, you got to have one. And it's like, okay, fine, I'll have a beer. And it's, it just grew from that. It, it was so simple and so, 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 dare I say, innocent. I mean, I'm 18 years old. I'm in Germany. I'm in a whole other country. I get to do whatever I want now, you know. They say you can walk into a bar in Germany as long as you can reach over the bar and order your drink, you can get it. It doesn't matter how old you are. So that was my justification for that. Um, like I was saying about similarities, uh, from my alcoholism, I realized I had it from a very early age because it's a mindset. It's a it's it's your perspective on life and. For me, you know, I didn't get along with people very well. That little part of your report card where it says, does, you know, does not play well with others. Yeah, I got that every time. Um, you know, I, I had almost no friends and uh, you know, nobody really talked to. I had a father who didn't know how to relay, relate to me at all. You know, I just, very few words. Couldn't tell you how he felt if he wanted to. And a mother who <clears throat> had her own emotional problems that she had to deal with and, and, and wasn't aware of it. So I had two parents that, you know, these are the people who are supposed to love me the most, and I, I don't think they knew how. So therefore, I didn't learn. And about 10 years old, they got divorced. Well, my mother married a man who beat the shit out of me for four years. And that was a hard thing to deal with. Um, I tried to find help from people that are supposed to help you. Guidance counselors and you know, just anybody that would listen, really. And the first thing you do is they call the house. <laughs> and he picks up the phone and wants to know, well, what's going on? So then I get beat more for that. So I, I quickly learned to be seen, not heard. Uh, it didn't matter what I did. It was wrong. Um, I couldn't do anything right. Even when I thought I did something right, somehow that was still wrong. And so for those four years, I, I just lived trapped in my own head, you know, and that's where... For me, I started hearing, you know, what I should do. You know, I mean, it's it's that voice in the back of my head that tells me everything I do is okay. But it's not. And what I'm talking about is really about how I relate to you. Because you have something I want. I can't have it. So I'm going to hold a grudge against you. You haven't done anything, but I'm still going to be angry at you. Um, the anger that was building inside of me from my stepfather just kept spiraling. It just, it just kept rolling on itself, it, it, you know, and for a long time, even after getting out of that situation, I was just angry. And I'd take it out on everybody else around me. I'd take it out on my vehicles. I'd take it out on anybody or anything that was in my path. and still find a way to justify it and blame you for it. I couldn't accept responsibility for anything in my life, not even the good things. Uh, 
just thought there was dumb luck and things were going right, and it was just par for the course when it was going bad. So after I got out of the military, uh, which, by the way, they tried to put me in a program, and, you know, that that didn't work because it was like everybody in the room was meeting in the bar, <laughs> you know, during the week or the weekend. So we sit in this room and, and say out loud, no, I'm not drinking, and then we all go out and get drunk. So I was like, well, that, I'm not learning anything here. And, um, you know, the anger is still there. And I don't know how to have close personal relationships. I don't know how to have professional relationships. I don't even get, to, I don't get along with anybody at work. I don't get along with anybody at home. I'm just the bad guy. And, of course, my family just had enough. You know, they... They basically just figured, well, that's Nathan, and just kind of tolerated me, as, as everybody else did, you know, uh, throughout my life when I look back on it. Um, so basically, I kept drinking until about 36, and I've already been married, divorced, got two kids. Didn't marry the first one. Um, so I've got two kids who basically are learning all my bad habits because I'm not in their life, I'm not around them. I get blamed for everything by the moms. And of course, I just don't want to listen to that either. And I just keep drinking, and I keep drinking. And I've been hit by several cars over my life, 10. Um, I've... <laughs> I've broken everything on the left side of my body. Um, I've got two rods, three plates, and 30 screws in me. I spent two, two and a half weeks, no, three weeks total of my life in a hospital because of that. And yet I don't know why I didn't discover Vicodin could be crushed up and snorted. <laughs> I'll take it, you know, and I'll take it as prescribed. I, you know, it's like... But, you know, let me have my beer. You know, let me have my rum and coke. Let me have whatever the hell I want. Get out of my way. Who the hell are you to tell me what to do? Um, I bring that up with the medications just because, you know, I'm so addictive on everything. I, I can't help it. I've got to have soda like crazy. I, I'll, I'll slam it down just as fast as I used to drink beer. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a smoker, so <laughs> I go through a pack a day with no problem. Um, you know, and, and, and all along, what this all culminates in is that for me, my drinking was to kill the pain. I self-medicated, which again, I don't understand why I didn't just overdose on Vicodin someday. But I, would, I, I felt it was okay to drink. I wasn't going to do drugs. I wasn't going to get a DUI, so I drank responsibly. I sat on my, my couch and watched movies all night long, drinking a case of beer. Wake up the next day and go to work and function like normal, so well, there's nothing wrong with me. Obviously, it's your problem. And, you know, for, for anybody in here that's ever, you know, relapsed, 
I don't know if any of you ever have. <laughs> Me, I quit every Monday. You know, and then I would wait till Tuesday, Wednesday, go buy a six pack, maybe have two, maybe four. Next night, finish that off, go buy another six pack. By Friday night, there's at least a 12 pack in the fridge, if not a case. And by Sunday, that was replenished and gone. But Monday morning, no, I got to be responsible. I got to go back to work. Eventually, like I said, up until when I, when I hit 36, uh, drinking just wasn't really killing the pain anymore. There was an emotional hole in me. I were sitting on the couch realizing I'm sitting here by myself. Nobody here. The wife didn't want you. Friends don't want you. Coworkers don't want you. The only people that was in my life were the people that I would party with. And the only reason they liked me is because I was drunk. Because when I'm drunk, I don't have a care in the world. Everything's fine. I don't feel any pain. I'm a nice guy. But when I'm sober, I will view in half, get out of my way. You know, I just I used to walk into work with sunglasses on in this lighting. Why? Because I didn't want you to talk to me. I didn't want to be near you. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear any of your problems. I got my own stuff. And that's how I lived. Just in that little shell like I did when I was 10. So along comes this program. And like I said, I started somewhere else, but <clears throat> I sat in my first meeting. It was a men's stag in San Juan Capistrano. And it's a room full of 50 guys. I've never met any of them. I don't recognize any of them. But somehow, everybody in that room is sharing stuff about my life. I'm going, what the hell's going on? Why are you all the same as me? That doesn't make any sense. I thought I was unique. I thought I was special. I thought I was better than you. And why are you telling my story? 45 minutes, and we have a break, and I just go outside and go, God, I belong here. Jeez, I belong here. And I've been coming ever since. Um, I've done three meetings in a day. I've done four meetings in a day. Because in here, I don't feel any pain. You know, not the physical kind, not the emotional kind, not the spiritual kind, nothing. In here, I'm safe. I still sit on along the wall. I will not let you get behind me. I want to see you coming. It's not because I'm afraid of you. It's because I'm afraid of what I might do to give you the impression of what I used to be. <sighs> I remember my first newcomer tags. Welcome, all of you newcomers. Welcome. I mean, you belong here. If you feel like you belong here, great. You know, stay. 30 days, congratulations, too. You know, I, I forget if there's any other chips. But anyway, I remember all those days in my life. I remember being sober for 10 days. I've read my journals. I remember what I used to think like. It's amazing to me what this program will give you. I remember my nine months being a horrific day. All I did was meetings all day long. It was just bad. Um... I remember crying a lot. I remember 
getting in the truck, sobbing my eyes out, getting to the job, stopping, talking to the customer, getting back to work, crying again, stopping, talking to the customer, getting back in my truck and crying again. Because for 36 years, all I learned to do was bottle everything up, trap it down deep so you couldn't get to it, and I didn't want to deal with it. And, you know, when I got on the program, I started feeling all these emotions and stuff that I just wasn't ready for. And I didn't know how to deal with it because I never dealt with it. Except for my solution, which was to pour alcohol on everything. And, you know, then I wake up the next day and it was just all the same problems. Um, about my 14th month in the program, I, I kind of felt like that was the time where like this cloud lifted out of my head, like it started to make sense to me suddenly. Because up to that point, I was questioning every every day. I had an epiphany every day. I figured out something new about myself every day. I was like, "Oh, I got it now." No, no. <laughs> you know, um, what keeps me coming back to these meetings is just I remember where I came from. I remember what it felt like. I got this. I still got it. It's right here. You know, I can feel it. I keep it below the surface now because I have to. I have to deal with life. Since I've been sober, I have been homeless. I've had several relationships that I finally figured out that I needed to stop trying to have relationships. I've had, I don't know how many jobs. Uh, I used to have a really nice classic car, a really great truck. All that stuff went away really fast. It got down to the point where everything I owned fit in a van, which I lived in for a year, something like that. Then I upgraded to an RV. Bad idea. A van is much more secretive, small. Nobody pays attention to it. An RV, it draws attention. Um, you know, and then uh, I lost my job again. And I had no money, nothing coming in, no anything. But I'm sober. And then I get a call from a family member. Okay. Just come live here. You know, so they gave me a break. They didn't give me any pressure. They fed me. They actually got me a <laughs> trainer. I started getting a little bit back into shape. Not recently, but, like, you know. <clears throat> but one day, my, 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 it was my cousin, and, he, and he's, he doesn't like smoking. And I, and I did my best. I really did. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm. I'm not going to smoke around you, but I'm going to suck on these stupid little plastic e-cigarettes, you know, just around, you know, that way at least I can get my nicotine. But then one day I had a cigarette and I walked back in the house and the next thing I know, we we're just having this, well, excuse me, we weren't really having an argument. It was more like he was just yelling at me, telling me all the things I needed to hear. Like, I'm not going to have you damage my family. And I realized, what did I learn in program? You know, my fourth step. How many people have I harmed? How do I make amends? 
why do I have the program in the first place if I'm not going to actually put it in my into effect? You know, <clears throat> it was a hard conversation to have. But I realized I needed to get off my ass. I needed to get to work, and I needed to, you know, uh, start taking care of myself. And I think I was four years sober at that point. You know, um, since then, things have been on the up. You know, I finally stopped paying child support. My kids are grown up, you know. Um, I got my motorcycle back. I got a truck again. Just, things started to look up again. But the thing I'm, I'm finding is that even with all this sobriety, it's like, you know, life is just going to happen. And nobody out there cares how sober I am. Nobody on the freeway gives a damn if I got 10 years or five weeks. Doesn't care. They're, they're going to cut me off anyway. These, you know, it's, it's just life. But, you know, um, when I came in here, I, I, th I thought I would go ahead and, and, you know, I'd run through all these steps in like 30 days. You know, that doesn't happen. I did step one, two, and three switch sponsors. One, two, and three switch sponsors. One, two, and three switch sponsors. Finally, sitting in a 9:30 meeting back at a club that was no longer there, uh, and it was a candlelight meeting, so the room's just dark. And these stupid plastic candles are on the floor, and um, this figure walks in front of me, and I, and I don't, I never swore I don't recognize him, don't nothing. And I'm just sitting there griping about how angry I am at life and, and, and how mad I am about what I've done and all these things. And it's just, God, the hurt inside of me is just killing me. And in the dark, this voice, this guy who walks past me says, and just like my brother here, I too know that anger. After the meeting was over, I, I, I talked to that man. And I said, I think I need to hear from you. I think I need to listen to what you have to say because obviously you understand. That man is my sponsor. I asked him to sponsor me that night. It was about my nine month or tenth month. And he's my sponsor today. And this is Lee right next to me. Um, he's seen all the anger and he's seen all the hurt and he's seen me suffer and he's seen all the things that have gone wrong and he's seen... He's also seen all the things that went right. And, and when I felt at my lowest, he just had the right words at the right time. You know, If you're new to this program and you don't have a sponsor yet, I highly recommend you find somebody you can identify with. Maybe that's not your sponsor for life, but at least you know somebody that you can talk to. Which for me, when I came in, was about the hardest thing I could do. I, I couldn't express to you how I felt about anything, and I, I sure as hell didn't know what I was feeling. And, you know, in working the steps, things got a little more organized in my mind about what it was I was feeling, and what is the appropriate reaction I should have to this. And then <clears throat> realizing, ultimately, everything that had ever gone on in my life I was still the common denominator. I am the only factor that's continuous. I've moved from state to state 
I switched jobs. I switched the alcohol I was drinking. I I I tried riding different models of motorcycles so I wouldn't get pulled over. I would, you know, just you name it, whatever. You know, I I try to change the outside. <clears throat> the book talks about it. If we if we could just conduct everybody, everything would be okay. No. You can't. I can't. <clears throat> um, the book also talks about the example of the gentleman who tried drinking one night, figured out he couldn't do it, and then t you know worked this really hard for his whole life for 25 years, and the next thing he does, he goes out and gets drunk after he retires, and he dies in five months or something like that. You know, that was me. I'd quit every Monday, and I'd start drinking all the way up till through the weekend. By the, by the end of the weekend, I just I felt horrible, and one day I realized I woke up drunk. I, I had a I had a whole case of beer in me still, you know, and, and and I'm going, why can't I do my job? Why can't I talk to people? I, uh, this is so easy for me. Why is it all of a sudden so hard? And I realized, oh yeah, because you drank all weekend and you woke up drunk, you know, and it and it, and it hit me then. I, oh, maybe I got a problem. So again, I quit Monday. I had decided to quit drinking before I came into the program, but I was still left with me, and I was still left with the wreckage that I caused in my life and everybody else's life around me, you know, um, and when I got sober, I thought maybe it would solve all these problems. It takes a long time to solve all the problems in my life. Uh, and the biggest thing that I really kind of hoped it for was that everybody would forgive me. For, for all the wrongdoings. They don't forgive me. They don't forget. But because of the program, because of the work of my sponsor, because of reading the big book, because of doing the steps, I finally made peace of myself. I forgave myself for all the stuff that I did. But I had to make a change. I had to turn it all around. I had to stop doing what I was doing and start doing it differently, which, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, it's like trying to learn how to drive all over again on the other side of the car. It, it, it just doesn't make sense at first. It, it was, I can't believe it's been 10 years. You know, we're, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. I'm not halfway through. I can't believe the things that have gone on in my life. I finally met somebody who actually tolerates me. <laughs> you know, together for four years. It's actually pretty amazing. We still have fights, but I, I, I learned to bow down and, and beg for forgiveness. <laughs> and then there's other times where I just kind of go, God, bless her heart. <laughs> it's okay. But, um, you know, the hardest thing about this program is experiencing all the things I thought I'd already known and having to relearn them and, 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 and learn about myself. What do I like? What, what don't I like? What do I tolerate? What do I, what, you know, what, what am I willing to live with? You know, there, and um, 
there's been a lot of changes. There's a lot of things I don't do anymore at all. They say to change your people, your places, and your playthings. I did all that. I, I don't talk to anybody from back in the past. I do talk to the people that I met when I came in here. Matter of fact, I wish they were here. There's, there's a guy that uh, was supposed to come here, but he had three years sober when I walked in. You know, he's got 13 now. One of my sponsor. You know, he had 18 or 19 when I came in. And I got 28. You know, and his sponsor's got 10 more than that. You know, it's, it's I, I talk to the people, you know, the, 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 they say stick to the winners. I say find somebody you can, you know, latch hold of and just let them understand you. You know, talk, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta listen a lot more. Because I sat there and I made that man listen to me try and manipulate every conversation we ever had for ten minutes. No, excuse me, an hour and a half. And all he ever did, all he ever did. Now you have to understand when I met him, he had a beard that was down to here. Okay, so all I saw was his face doing this. And for an hour and a half, all I heard was, because you don't have a strong sense of self. Every question I hit him with, <laughs> you don't have a strong sense of self. I was getting mad. I'm like, you got to have something better to say than that. Um, but I listened finally. I heard what he was saying. You're in a rush to get to the end, and you got time. But you got to do these steps. And at first it was, <laughs> the, the best question he ever gave me was, do you feel ready to do your fourth step? And this is how prepared I felt. I literally looked at him and said, you walk me through one, two, and three, I think I'm ready for four. Because that's how confident he made me feel. Because I started to finally understand myself. And when I got through with that fourth step, and it was time to make my amends, you know, it was just, you know, and, and moved on. It was just, it's amazing the reactions I got. I got positive and I got negative. But you know what? I stayed sober anyway. And I've dealt with death in sobriety, too. I lost my father three days before my uh, sixth or seventh birthday. And uh, my, my, I've lost many other family members. I've lost many friends in here. I've watched people die in the rooms. You know, this is real. I know I don't want to go back to the way it was. Um, I'm, I'm, I just feel so much better with myself. And uh, it's all due to this program. The program works if you work it. The steps work if you give it the time. You know, and if you have a problem, if you if you feel so down that you feel like you're going to go drink, pick up the phone. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but by God, you'll be happy. If you get, if you, if you just stick with it, that's, that's pretty much the only message I got for you. No matter how hard it gets, just stay there. Just stick with it. Get out of the situation you're in and find, find, find a happy place. I mean, you know, I know that sounds corny, but it, it's, uh, it's worth the ride. So thanks for listening to me.